If you are a guest with us this morning, we hope that you will feel welcomed, and we also hope that you will grow in faith for being with us this morning. That's our goal as a church, is to see each and every one of us built up as a disciple. And so if you're here for the first or second time, welcome. I will be new to you. My name is Christian, and for two weeks I had the freedom not to preach, but to be away, largely because we have on staff folks like Tom and Jared, who preached in my absence, and I'm so, so grateful to them. I want to make sure I say that uh, at the top. That's great. Yeah, thank, thank you for them. I'm especially excited about the subject that we're going to spend our time on together this summer, the subject of courage. Uh, Pastor Jared and I have been thinking together about all the ways that God has given us the opportunity to help Renaissance Church achieve the mission that we think God has given it. Uh, that you should grow as a disciple is right at the center of what our vision is for the church. We want to see other people know Jesus. The way that happens is when you trust him more, and because of that, you inspire and invite others to follow him. That is exactly what God wants for this area. And we believe the way that happens is as you grow as disciples. Now, believing that's our calling, Jared and I asked the question, what would be a good subject to dwell on this summer? And we chose courage because while courage is absolutely good everywhere, there are some endeavors in which courage is completely indispensable. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, but a family member or friend has brought you, you will know that courage is good for you because it enables you to move forward through the challenges that life inevitably gives everyone. If you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to tell you this, you cannot move forward with him without courage. It is an indispensable virtue. And to that end, we've decided that if we would pick this theme and it would be ours for the summer, it would help everyone move forward in the way that God wants them to. And it will help Renaissance Church become more and more this community that God wants it to be. Uh, if you've been in church at all, you will have heard an inspirational story with a hero of faith who is courageous. You, you will have heard about David who stands up against the giant and his name is, help me here, Goliath. Goliath, right? And he does that because of courage. You'll hear about Abram who leaves everything he's ever known to go off into a new direction, trusting God because he has courage. You learn about Joseph whose story is massively inspiring because against all odds, he rises up to become the second in command and he saves God's people, again, all because of his courage. And every one of these stories is absolutely magnificent and they move us and make us want to be more courageous, don't they? But they also hide a misunderstanding which I want to unsettle today so that all summer long you don't miss the opportunity to be the person that God has made you to be and yet to have the kind of courage that God uses to change the world. In every story where a hero's courage is an essential ingredient, there hides a misconception, and it's this. It's the misconception that says only the hero has courage that matters. And the truth that I want to set before you today, and I want you to take this into your heart, is this principle. The hero only becomes great because of the courage of others. And the reason that you need to learn this and I need to learn this too is none of us are very likely to become heroes like the kind we read about in the Bible. Does that sound like a downer? You're, you're not expecting that from the pastor, are you? 
But the truth is a hero is a one in a million, and there's so many less than a million of us here, the chances are that we won't be that kind of hero, but if we believe that means that our courage doesn't matter, we have missed an incredibly important lesson that all of us need to learn, which is that every single one of us is at every moment an individual that God is waiting to use through the courage that he evokes and draws out of us to move his plan forward. Because without the courage of ordinary people, there are no heroes of faith. And the way that God is going to build his mission with us as a church and in your own life, with your families and your friends and the challenges that you face that I don't know about, the only way that's going to move forward is when you become a courageous person through the power that God gives. Our teachers this morning are going to be two women who many of us will have never heard of. Their names are Shifra and Puah. These two live in Egypt sometime after the death of Joseph, but before the birth of the hero Moses. And what they're going to teach us together is how the courage of ordinary people who are just doing their job moves the mission of God forward in an essential way. I'm going to tell you why we need to learn that. Because you are an ordinary person who most of your life are just going to be doing your job. And you need to know that the way God moves his mission forward is when you have the courage that he invites you to have. These two are going to teach us. I want to locate their story on our timeline. Uh, these were given out uh, as you came in or maybe you've had one from last week. Uh, before we meet these two women we read the story of the hero, Joseph. Maybe you've seen a production of Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Anyone? Or maybe you've starred in a production when you were a kid at your, at your church because your parents pressured you to, and you ended up having to play Benjamin because you were shorter than all the rest of the boys. <laughs> maybe that happened for you too. But Joseph's story takes up uh, maybe 14 chapters of the book of Genesis. Uh, and after... Uh, his unbelievable heroism saves the people of God from near extinction. Then we come to the book of Exodus, which all 40 chapters except for one focus on the hero of that book. Help me out here. What's his name? Moses. Good. The last time I preached, I said, whenever a pastor asks you for a name, you always say Jesus. Thank you for not following that earlier advice. It's Moses who becomes the hero after Joseph, who once again saves God's people from what seems like a guarantee, a guaranteed extinction. But, but after Joseph and before Moses, there is nestled the story right here of our two ordinary heroes, Shifra and Puah. They're midwives. Their job is to help Hebrew women bring babies into the world. Uh, they are good at their job. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but we can infer it because as soon as you begin reading the book of Exodus, what you discover is that even though Joseph and all his brothers had died, the people of God were becoming exceedingly numerous. Against all odds, which means these two women were good at their work, which was good for God's people altogether, but which did not seem good to the king who had come to power in Egypt after the Pharaoh who knew Joseph had died. To him, this expansion of God's people in Egypt is not a blessing, 
but he believes it's a threat. And, and being afraid that this people group is somehow going to upset his own plans as king, he devises a plan to try to check the expansion of God's people. He calls together his leaders and he tells them that the way we're going to stop their expansion, and most of you will know this part of this story, even if you've never been in church, is we are going to make work difficult for God's people. We're going to become oppressive bosses and make it so their labor is so difficult they'll stop having more and more children. As it turns out, the story backfires. Uh, the people of God are oppressed, but instead of diminishing in number, they expand. And so Pharaoh comes up with a second plan. And this time, it doesn't have to do with the labor force in one sense, but rather the labor force in a second sense. I just used a pun. It's the only time you're ever going to hear me do that, ever, in church. Okay? He goes to the midwives to try to stop God's people from expanding. And he comes to them with a plan. And in what happens with them, I would invite you to imagine your own self in a parallel experience. Because the Pharaoh comes to these two women at work. And he tells them to do something which is wrong. And they have to decide whether they're going to do what's right. And that will require courage. And every one of us, in one way or another, is going to face an experience like this in life. Let's look at the story. In Exodus 1.15, it begins like this. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. In ancient Israel, ancestry goes down through the father's lineage. And so if you want to end a people group, you have to you have to get rid of the males. And so Pharaoh comes up with a plan which is going to be as effective as it is evil. In one generation, if every baby boy is done away with, there will only be Hebrew women left and they can be enfolded into his population and the people of God will be at an end. It is hard to overstate how wicked and gruesome this plan is. Only a mother who has lost a child at birth, can even imagine the pain that is hidden in this nefarious and gruesome barbarity. It seems too disgusting and evil even to be true, but the fact is we know, we know of the cruelty and barbarity of the kings of ancient Egypt because of the hieroglyphs that we have. You can see it in sandstone. There are depictions of the malevolence of those ancient leaders, which is, is horrible to even imagine. POWs captured would be impaled on stakes through the bottom, out the mouth, and put in the public square so that everybody in Egypt could see what happens to you if you get on the wrong side of the king. Public burnings and beheadings of adults and even children was the norm. And this is how Pharaoh made sure whatever he wanted was what happened. And now, put yourself in the position of being one of these two midwives, invited into the place where you sit face to face with the most powerful man in the world. And he tells you that from now on, instead of bringing life, you are going to be responsible for bringing death. 
Can you imagine what it would have felt like to be one of them? To have what on the one hand has to be one of the most beautiful jobs that anyone can ever have, to be there and joyful to welcome a new baby boy or baby girl into the world with a family that has had to go through that trial. What a beautiful job. To have the Pharaoh say, from now on you end every male life that comes. Can you imagine the dread and the terror that it must have been for those two to be put in the position by that man? They know, just like everyone else knows, what happens if they don't obey Pharaoh. In this moment, can you see what they need in order to do what's right? Now listen, um, few of us will face a threat that's that daunting, but I'm sure that every one of us has found ourselves at one point or another in the place where we've been pressured to do something which we know is wrong, and the instrument that's put against us is the threat of what happens if we don't do it. That is, if we know that God wants us to go this way, but everything around us puts this pressure to say, you must go this way instead because if you actually do the right thing, it is going to be so horrendous for you. It is just a fact that life as it is will frequently put us in the position where that's exactly what it's going to be like. Maybe just as it was for Shifra and Pua, for you, it will happen at work. Maybe you work in an environment where the only way people get ahead is by being dishonest. And you know it's wrong to be unethical in business, but yet you find yourself in a business where that's what you're being pressured to do. Or maybe you don't work yet. You're a student still. Uh, You go to class day in and day out, and the pressure that comes from your peers feels like it's just about as horrendous as the pressure that would come from Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. Can some of us adults remember the days when it felt like that in middle school? Yeah or no? Let's help our middle school students who are having to brave a Sunday sermon in the summer. Let's help them out right now. We're with you guys. We can remember what that was like, where the pressure is to do the wrong thing because if you don't, your peers are going to make your life miserable. Maybe it's not out there for you. I know this for sure. Some of you in here know what it's like to have a pharaoh inside of your own heart pressuring you to do the wrong thing. Anyone who struggles with addiction knows what that's like. Like there's a threat that is... Death, it's like death if you don't do the wrong thing. And there it is. Look at what these two women do in verse 17. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. And this right here is a single verse that pictures courage, which is beautiful and profound and absolutely and utterly astounding. This is what courage looks like. Pay attention carefully. The women refused to do what Pharaoh commanded without any illusions about the danger that it puts them in. They know just like everyone else about the brutality of the king. Anyone in their position would be completely terrified. But they choose to do what is right anyway. And and right there it tells us why. Because they fear God. They let the boys live. Let that sink in for a moment. The importance of their decision is both immediate and long-term. Immediately, the fact that they decide to let the boys live means that the next day, they get to be with a joyful family rather than having to do what would cause grief and despair for the rest of the lives of that family. And in that way, they get immediately positive consequences for deciding not to do what is wrong and instead do what is right 
because they have a proper fear. And that's the immediate benefit of their consequences. But not only do they experience these immediate benefits, there is also a long-term benefit, which is hard to see when we narrow in on a story like this, but which becomes plain when we zoom out. The long-term benefit is simply because Shifra and Pua decide to be courageous, the line of Israelite boys continues because of them the story of God's people moves forward into the next 39 chapters of Exodus and beyond because these ordinary women are courageous. Watch what happens. Verse 18. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? He sees what's happened. He's smart enough to recognize that there's still baby boys coming along. Verse 19, the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. See, I'm glad you chuckle at that. The irony in that. The power in the defiance right in the face of the most powerful man in the whole world from these two ordinary women is magnificent. Indirectly, they, they're mocking his women. They're, they're weak compared to ours. So, and do you know what they did right here, strictly speaking? It is a lie. They lie right to his face. And the reason they lie is because they know that if they tell the truth, they drag God's people into destruction, away from what God wants for them, and they know full well how dangerous this man is, and how powerful he is, and how he can do whatever he wants to them, but because they have courage, they lie to him, and they give him an explanation that has enough plausibility to trick him, because before God, Pharaoh is a fool. And I want you to understand this. Every evil and wicked person who wants to take you and God's people away from God's path, strictly speaking, is a fool. And listen, fools aren't people for us to judge or look down on. They are rather those who re uh, require pity and, and God's light to shine upon them. Can anyone else in here admit that more than once you have been a fool? I have, right? God help us, we're all fools. But in this moment, the fool Pharaoh is told an explanation that seems real enough, and so he believes it despite the unimaginable intimidation. Shifra and Pua do not tell the truth. And in this moment, they show us again what courage looks like, which is that they are not willing to let their fear of this man before them determine their actions. But instead, they stand up for what is right, for what God wants, and this is what courage looks like. And listen, please, because if you miss this, you miss everything. They are not heroes in the sense we're used to thinking about heroes. They are ordinary women, just like you are, just like we are all there, ordinary people. Two outcomes are described by the narrator of their defiance. And this is in verse 20, look at it. First, so God dealt well with the midwives, that's the first consequence, and the people multiplied and became very strong. A God dealing well with them means that God protects them. And by the way, anyone who is courageous in the face of threats, whether it's at work or with your family or at school or wherever you are, should count on God's favor, which comes in the form of his protection. He deals well with them, that's the first consequence. And then the second it's right there. 
the exact opposite happens yet again from what Pharaoh had devised. He enacted this plan in hopes of making the people diminish, but instead they multiplied even greater. And if you get the timeline out again and find your way to this moment in the history of God's people, the Exodus, which for the people of God has long been understood as the most critical part of their story, that when they were enslaved in Egypt against all odds, God delivered them and then led them into the wilderness so that they could receive his law, which they needed and we need ourselves. And all of it happened because of one heroic figure who is in 39 of the chapters of Exodus, and his name is Moses. And without the courage of Shifra and Pua, Moses would have died on the day he was born. And the reason this story is right there in the first chapter of Exodus, listen to me now, is for you and for me to understand the value of courage which comes from ordinary people. Not heroes. Only one in a million is going to be a hero. Okay, that's not us. But ordinary people who are trusting God and following Jesus, doing the best we can to move forward in faith, have to understand that it's courage that God uses to move us individually and altogether forward. This brilliant story has so many lessons in it. I, wanting to be as practical as I can, I've got four that I want to lift for you today. And what I want to ask you to do is to take them into your mind and into your heart and then let God use these lessons to move you forward in courage. I feel so excited right now. Can you tell? I really do. Here's the first lesson. It's for all of us. Everyone's courage matters. Because of the way we tell stories, we sometimes believe it's only the superheroes whose courage actually matters. The ones whose names everyone knows and the the ones who who mom and dad want to name their children after. How many people have you met who are named Pua? When I was in middle school, this would be my favorite part of the whole sermon, Pua. But this story challenges our way of thinking by presenting these ordinary heroes whose courage matter even as they were just doing their jobs. Do you see that? All they did is their job. They were asked to do the opposite of their job, but instead they did their job. The narrator shows us how important they are by telling us their names in the same sentence he leaves out the name of Pharaoh. And that's a way of saying these two ordinary Hebrew midwives matter more than the king of Egypt. I'm not even going to tell you his name. Their story is put first in the book so no one can miss how how unbelievably critical their courage is so that we can learn that everyone's courage matters and be saved from two very common mistakes. The first mistake we need to be rescued from is the thought that Courage matters to God only in extraordinary moments, but here we learn that no, it matters at work or at school if you're still in school or or at home when that's what your life involves mostly. And you must embody this lesson that the courage that you're invited to take now and tomorrow matters. The the story proves it. And then secondly, there's this idea that many of us will have that, okay, other people who have very important roles, are the ones whose courage matters. I'm just little old me with this tiny circle of influence. Well, so fine. Also, Shifra and Pua could have thought that about themselves, but their story proves to us that no matter where we are or what our role is, our courage matters. The mom who is courageous enough to raise her children in a way that doesn't conform to the pattern that everyone else uses has courage that matters. The father whose son is going off in the wrong direction 
and who chooses to stand up for what's right in the face of his son has a courage that matters. The businesswoman who strives to work with integrity in an environment where deceit is rewarded has courage which matters. The student who is going into the eighth grade and decides to be kind and refuses to resort to the cruelty that every one of her peers relies on to build up her reputation has a courage which matters. Everyone Everyone has courage, which matters. Why is this so? Here's our second lesson from this story. The reason everyone's courage matters is because God's plan depends on it. And this is astounding when you think of it. The story of Shifra and Pua demonstrates how God has decided to make his plan hang on the thread of the courage of ordinary people. It is absolutely magnificent when you think of it. It's obvious when you think of Joseph or Moses or Abram that God seems to make his plan depend on their choice to be courageous because they're great and courageous. But their story says, even the smallest act of courage is the thing upon which this God of ours, who is altogether mighty and powerful, has decided to hang his plan. This has implications for your courage and the importance of it. You might ask, what if I'm not courageous? Will I disrupt God's plan? Will God's plan for the world not happen because I choose not to be courageous? Can I thwart his intentions? No. God will carry out his good plan with or without you, but why would you want him to carry it forward without you? That's my question for you. Why would you opt out of the greatest privilege on planet Earth, which is to be courageous enough to be invited into the way God unfolds his plan going forward. The truth is God wants you in, every one of you. And your courage in ordinary things is a critical ingredient to moving his plan forward. I'm sure you can think of some place in life right now where you look and you say, but it doesn't look like God's plan is happening there. And if that's you, and you say, well, why isn't God's plan going forward there? I want you to ask a different question. Why am I not being courageous enough to take part in the plan there? Maybe it's talking to a friend or family member about Jesus, and you wonder, why aren't they having faith yet? Maybe you've had not enough courage to talk about Jesus. Maybe you look at our church and you say, why do we still have to go on meeting in a place that doesn't have enough room for the people who come? We can't talk to each other after the service is done, and there's only two toilets for God's sake. When is God's plan for this church going to happen? Maybe we need to be courageous enough to be even more generous than we've ever been. Can you imagine what would happen if this privileged community of people was radically courageous in our generosity? I thought about it this week. I looked at some of the numbers, the mean income in the towns around here. If the 300 uh, households that are really committed to this community said, let's give 10% to the church and see what God does with it, I, it would be somewhere uh, between four and five million dollars a year that would be given here. You know what would happen right away if we did that? $450,000 would go right to Ren Cares to be given away in ways that honor Jesus in generosity around us. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And then we would say, let's get a place with five. No, you know what? 15 toilets. <laughs> God's plans depend on our generosity. That's the second lesson. Here's the third one. Courage is proper fear. And this one we have to learn because what happens 
is we're led to believe that courage is the absence of fear. That once I'm no longer afraid, then I will move forward and be generous. Then I'll move forward and talk about Jesus with other people. Then I'll get involved in God's mission. Right now I'm afraid. Once I have courage, which means fear goes away, then I'll get involved. It's not the way it actually works. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather proper fear. And the story of Shifra and Pua teaches us that as well. Did you notice when we were reading the story that the reason they said no to Pharaoh was not because they had no fear, but because they feared God. Did you notice that? Yes. Now I know God loves us. And I know this emphatically because in Christ, he proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he came and he died for the ungodly and he gave himself to us. And whenever we think of God, the thing we should think of first is that he loves us more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I'm not in the business of telling you to be afraid of God, but listen now, the moment you begin to believe that God owes you, that it's your claim that he'll forgive you no matter what you do with your life, and then you begin moving forward day after day, motivated by the fear of what will be difficult if you do what God wants. In that moment, I need to tell you you're fearing the wrong person. And Shifra and Pua show us this. They have on one side the fear that Pharaoh would put in their minds, which is beyond what we could dream, and then on the other side they have a picture of God, and they fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. And that is exactly what every one of us should do too. That's the kind of wisdom that moves toward courage. So if you are thinking of the right thing to do, but then you're afraid of what the neighbors will think of you, or you're concerned or intimidated about the potential response from your peers, or you're anxious about what other parents might say for the way that you're parenting, or you're concerned about how the elected officials will respond to what you do, or if you're unsettled about what people in the church will think of you if you do what God tells you you ought to do, what you should do is picture all of their resistance on one side, and however afraid you are of that, on the other side you should picture God. And listen now, you should be more afraid of disappointing God than all of them. You should be more concerned about what he has the power as the judge of the living and the dead to do than you are of what they might do to you. And like Shifra and Pua, you should fear God more than anyone else. That's the third lesson about courage here. The last practical one that comes from the story of these two follows on what happens if your courage moves you to proper fear, and it's this, God rewards courage. And that is a plain lesson in the story. It's very plain. You remember that God was pleased with Shifra and Pua because they feared him and didn't do what was wrong, even as they lied. And by the way, if you're concerned about them not being honest, come back in a few weeks when I talk about Rahab. We're going to see again how courage um, leads a person to tell uh, a, a mistruth, uh, even in the service of God's mission. But what happens as Shifra and Pua stand up and are courageous is told to us in, in the, the rest of the narrative in verse 21 where it says, because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. And that is for them a reward for courage. And what you need to understand is this. If you will be courageous and to move forward in God's plan, his reward will come to you in the same way that they are rewarded. And a family for them means two things. And this is what you will find if you're courageous. First, that they are more emphatically enfolded into God's people. If they have families and sons, it means God's people expand. And if you have courage, you will find yourself more and more identified as one of God's people. And that is a blessing. That's the first thing. But here's the second. Listen, with that blessing comes responsibility. 
Because as we become a part of God's people with our courage, then God gives us more to do in the unfolding of his plan. And whether this is with your family or at work or in the internal demons that you fight, whatever that courage is, as you accept it, God will reward you with more work to do down the road. And for every single one of us, trust me now, to be given the responsibility of growing in faith through courage is a gift from God, even as it's a challenge. And that's true for every one of you in here. And then secondly, what I want to say to you as your pastor, who loves, loves being the pastor at Renaissance Church, is that if we will be courageous in the ordinary things, God will reward us by enfolding us more deeply into his people and giving us more to do. And what I want for us is to be a community that through courage has more of a hand in building God's kingdom in Summit and in this area where God has placed us. Because what the world needs now is for us to be courageous enough in everyday ordinary events to be used by God to build his kingdom. And what I want is to be a part of that kind of community. Do you? Yes, then let's do it together, okay? Let's be courageous in going forward in what is right as we have proper fear of the God who is love and as we remember every single one of us that God's plan depends on the courage that we ourselves execute upon so that we know deep down that every one of us matters in this endeavor to be courageous together. Let's pray now and ask God to build us up so that we move forward in his plan. God, we love you and thank you so much for this story of Shifra and Pua. We thank you for their ordinary acts of courage to do their jobs and to do them well despite pressure to the contrary. We ask that from spending time focusing on them that each one of us would have learned the lessons that you mean for us to have learned today. And that and that understanding courage better would enable each of us, especially in this summer as we endeavor to grow as disciples together, would enable each of us to be used by you as you bring about your kingdom-expanding purposes through us individually and through Renaissance Church as your church. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is a perfect example of courage. In his name we pray. Amen.